there's no reason that you can't demand from the person that you're buying it from to get a loss report. So I would put as part of your due diligence, even though your due diligence may be a day, this is one of the things I must have in order to close, right? It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason, J. Lou Lewis. And today we are going to dive into one of our series, which is insurance, essentially risk mitigation when you own and manage real estate. Uh, We think it's very important that people look at the risk aspect of owning, not just the upside, but the potential downside and making sure that you mitigate those what ifs. And today we're diving in with Mr. Drew McConaughey, who is a partner of McConaughey Stradley Insurance. Um, He is a real estate insurance specialist, insuring thousands of units in almost every state across the U.S. Drew, welcome to the show, sir. Jason, thank you for having me very much. Nice job with my last name. Well, I I butcher most of the time. I joke around. I'm a redneck farm kid from Southern Kansas. So I I speak redneck in English. So depending on if if I'm in in my good English that day or or my redneck slur. (laughs) So I just kind of slur it all together. But yeah, well, I was going to say it's exciting topic to cover. I don't know if, you know, exciting is the right (laughs) word, but ultimately I think it's a very important topic, uh, which is insurance. So it's exciting to me, but I would say it's important to your listeners more than it's exciting to them. So, yep, exactly. So we're, we're going to uh, do a, a couple of these episodes just to get a couple different people's opinion and expertise in this field, because we do feel it's very important um, for all the, the what ifs that come up. So um, that's kind of the, the goal today. And with this series is a lot of times you look at all the what ifs for the the positive and like the pro forma aspect of real estate, but the insurance is the what ifs on the negative side, which people don't really want to deal with. And they don't want to think about, it can be pretty daunting. I mean, I'm dealing with an insurance claim right now, a whole facade fell off the front of a smallplex, a multi-unit here in Denver. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been dealing with that. I think since September Um, insurance is fighting me on it. The city uh, condemned part of the building for a while until we could get it wrapped and uh, lawyers are involved. And that's one of the main reasons that I'm doing this series is because I've been in the game 15 years and I thought I had everything in order and I don't. Um, I'm uh, far from it with this happening. So I'd love for you just to kind of dive in, tell us about your background, kind of how you got into the real estate insurance game and what you would say is maybe the top three most important aspects to underwrite or analyze when you sit down and and meet with your investor clients. Sure. Yeah. So I'll start from the beginning. I got into this because I'm interested in the space myself. I've been an investor in some some nursing homes over time and most of that were always the landlords. So uh, it piqued my interest in, and over time, I, I wrote a couple of those. And then I, the industry is relatively uh, tight. So I, I met some people who were in the multifamily space and it was kind of off and running because they had found, they had a lot of needs that, that in my opinion, weren't getting serviced appropriately. So I was able to improve upon their service, help them, uh, you know, bump the rates down, which is always key. 
in order to create some client relationships. Uh, and then we were off and running from there. So I met some instrumental people in the industry and uh, we've just been growing uh, organically since that point. Uh, to answer your question, a loaded question, three things that, uh, that everybody should be thinking about. Uh, I would argue that a couple keys are before you even buy an asset, right? Your due diligence. I, I hate when I get a customer who comes to me and says, I've got to close in 72 hours. I need you to get a quote for me. Well, there's a lot of stuff that I think I can add value to along the, along the due diligence process to make sure that you're not getting into an asset that is going to have a nightmare insurance experience. A couple of those are, as an investor, did you make sure that there hadn't been a large loss on the building in recent years? I'm coming into one right now that there's a million two loss on the building and the premium is not a million two. So it, it is unprofitable for the insurance companies. I'm guessing that it's one of the main reasons that the property hit the market in the first place because they saw that their insurance costs were going to go through the roof and it was going to totally screw up their numbers. So I would say engage your insurance agent very early in the process of due diligence. Aside from that, so after you bind coverage, I'll kind of do it on a timeline. After you bind coverage, I would say that it's very important that before you do your inspection, your insurance ins inspection, that you talk to your agent and get good guidance on how to quote unquote win that insurance ins inspection. Because if you fail that inspection, you're going, they're going to, they are going to cancel your policy and you're going to be right back to where you started. But the cheapest company who you obviously, or who you likely went with uh, is now off the table. So you're going to see your rates rise. You could see your conditions, your coverage diminish if you fail those, those insurance inspections. Third, I would say it's a blend of buying the right coverages, not, not, no two buildings are made the same. No two people's risk tolerance are the same. So you need to align your risk tolerance with the needs of the building, probably the needs of your lender, uh, to make sure that you're buying a program. Uh, the the lender is going to make sure you buy a program that they're comfortable with, but you want to make sure that you're protecting your needs because the lender honestly doesn't care about your needs. They want to make sure that they can get their money out of the investment. So lender requirements shouldn't be the end-all be-all of your insurance uh, procurement process. You need to be thinking about yourself and not just making sure you get them their money back. You need to get your money back as well. That's great. Well, those are kind of three things, main steps to take. What are some main things to just look out for in general? You know, like when you're looking at a building, um, what do you see some claims that are routine that you, that they should have seen before the due diligence, like say my parapet on this, we had inspected and it was a 80 plus year old brick building, but I didn't go in and, and have a masonry person come and inspect integrity of the brick. It looked fine, but it wasn't. And it literally shifted and all fell. I don't know if, you know, we could have done anything, but are, are there any of those things that you see happen more routinely where claims are, are made that could have been prevented? Sure. Yeah. There's, there's a couple that immediately come to mind. I would say the first is having an expert electrician, make sure you have an electrician that you trust. Those are the majority of the non act of God is what I'll call them non weather, non civil unrest related claims that we've had in the last year. 
are due to faulty wiring within a building. So as you're doing your due diligence or as you're doing your continual maintenance of the building, I would have electricians testing your breakers to make sure that there's no hot spots in the breakers. You can do that with thermographic guns. That is a, a key component as far as I'm concerned. If you're buying a building that has aluminum wiring or aluminum, I've learned all these things the last five years, uh, more than I'd ever care to know about uh, wiring in buildings. But if it's got aluminum connections, has that, how has that aluminum wiring been mitigated? Because uh, it's not up to code likely and in almost all codes across the country, it needs to be uh, remediated, remediated in some way. And the insurance companies are gonna wanna know that. So first and foremost, I would say having an expert electrician or an electrician that, that you have heavily vetted, look through your building and tell you, here's where the problems are. Here's how up to code it is. Uh, so that you can make, um, and here's how much it's going to cost to bring it up to code. Because that kind of segues me into my next point is some very basic coverage that coverages that have been included in the past 5, 10, 15 years, ordinance and law being one of them, are is now being excluded from, uh, I would say, um, I wouldn't say most policies, but it's not an automatic kick-in anymore. And what ordinance and law coverage does is if you are building, let's say you have a, a $100,000 loss in a, in a 30 unit building, the county is going to come down and do all these inspections to make sure that your building is up to code. It had been grandfathered into that code prior to the loss, but guess what? Now that they have to come and do reinspect your building in order to open it back up. Uh, they're going to make you bring your entire building up to code. So if you've got electrical boxes and closets, this is one I dealt with two weeks ago. Uh, those boxes are now out of code. They need to be outside of a closet. So you've got to have the insurance company or you, depending upon if you have the coverage or not, has to go in there and pay somebody to get those boxes out of the closet. So uh, there's a million different little things like that that get caught up in ordinance and law issues. Uh, I, I, brought on one of my largest customers ever because he bought a policy that didn't have ordinance and law coverage and had a $900,000 $900, ordinance loss. And I had quoted his deal the year before and, and we had building limits carried over to his ordinance and law coverage, but my policy was $1,000 more expensive. And uh, he, he bought the policy that didn't have the coverage and $1,000 he saved in premium and ended up costing him 900 grand of, uh, of losses. That's, that's a hard hit. That's a, that's yeah. a tough lesson. Yeah, that's right. You don't want to learn that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that, those are all awesome tips. Um, the, the electrician, um, come having them come in there and do those inspections and they find that aluminum wire. I know that that sometimes insurance requires you to go do things like one of our projects, they required us to do like pigtail, um, some yep. of the outlets. Um, yep. And we didn't have to remove all of the aluminum wiring, but we had to pigtail the outlets. So again, I'm not an a expert electrician at all. So I was like, well, quasi makes sense. So what could have been done, you know, in advance to kind of make sure to know what they might require when they come out and do that inspection? Yeah, so there, we used to be in a situation where there would be 10 insurance companies quoting every deal. Um, now the market has really hardened. Um, we can kind of get into that if you'd like, but 
now where we used to see 10 insurance companies looking at a deal, we see three or four companies looking at a deal. And is, uh, is that mean of, there's just less or out there that, or that they are much pickier? That means that the companies who used to write apartment buildings or SFRs have either greatly shrunk their capacity, meaning they don't want as much of the business or have totally removed themselves from the market. So what that does is in the olden days, we used to just say, oh, okay, three companies get, or we have nine quotes. Three of them want you to remediate the aluminum, but seven don't. So we'll just throw out the three that do and we'll go down the road. Now your options are diminishing. They're, they're, you have less options to cover a building than you used to. So you may have to listen to what the insurance company says. So there's no, there's no magic bullet here. I can't give you a perfect answer. I can just say that uh, you may not have an option to fix it anymore. So it's, it's better as an investor, it's better for you to know what your costs are going to be and what the insurance company says. Maybe you only have one quote. Um, So you're going to have to do what they say to do. Uh, It's better to know that before you buy a building. Uh, then after, and then you get a surprise, you know, $50,000 bill that you didn't uh, account for. In, in the contract and, and most contracts, they'll have a, a due diligence date for the insurance termination. Uh, and I see a lot of times brokers when they're writing contracts kind of blow that off and just don't really account for that date. It's not a big deal. They don't they're not really using it as an actual due diligence date. And I see very few actually say, hey, I'm going to put this out three or four weeks and I'm going to do it correctly to give my client uh, the right amount of time to do this insurance underwriting. I would say it's the least looked at and kind of analyzed sure. date on the due diligence is the insurance termination date or objection date. Any tips on how you advise people when they're underwriting or getting ready to make an offer on a multifamily or commercial type project to make sure they have enough time and buffer for that, the due diligence period? Um, I mean, to your point, you just, you just advise them, Hey, this is going to, you're going to want 30 days at least, right. You're going to want time in order to, to do your due diligence on the building. Now, if there's no, you can get there, they're going to be able to get the UA loss report. We call them loss runs. It's kind of insurance jargon, but it's a report that says over the last five years, this asset has had X amount of losses. They're going to be able to get you that pretty quickly. If that is clean, it makes our lives much easier. When you couple a loss with issues within the building, that's when you really start to have some issues that may even screw up the deal. I mean, it, you, you can ask for concessions and pricing, of course, to as your numbers change, but it may change them so much that you're like, well, get me out of this deal. So it's as simple as, as asking for more time and paying attention to that, Jason. I know that's not a great answer, but make sure that you have the time to review the building because it's the market has gotten much tighter and I don't foresee it getting any better in the next uh, two to five years. For sure. It seems to be claims are going up, prices are going up, and companies are going down. So yep. when you talk about single family rentals and, and single type units versus a multifamily, is that an area that you guys work in as well? 
We do. Uh, as our book has grown, it, we've certainly transitioned more to the multifamily. You know, 40 units and up probably is, is where we start now looking at buildings. But yes, I still have a ton of that business on my books and, and we welcome it, of course. For sure. It is, you know, when people grow, that's natural progression of yep. even in the investor side, you start with single family, you go to exactly. duplex, fourplex, twelveplex. So it seems you guys have followed that yeah. progression just on the yeah, insurance fix and, side as fix well. and flip. And then on, on up you go. Yep. Right. Yep. I'll ask a, a fix and flip question. Did when you did, or still maybe do some of the fix and flip uh, type insurance for the policies where they're vacant, we got into this a year ago, we purchased our fix and flip division, purchased a property. We've never ran insurance. You call it an insurance or a claim, claim loss or claim form. Is that what yeah, you, we call it a loss run? Yes. Loss run. Okay. So yep. we've never ran those because they're two week cash close. There's real no due diligence yep. in them. Hence wholesale. We renovated this property, did significant kind of renovations to it, put it under contract to sell. And we lost that buyer. And it was because there was like three prior water basement claims in the last yep. couple of years. And they were each for like 18 to $30,000. So <laughs> cumulatively, it was like 70 or 80,000 on a $500,000 sure. house. And they said, we can't get insurance. It's going to be twice as much. And I'm fearful of all these claims. So is there anything on the single family investment or fix and flip side that people can do to to mitigate that given a lot of times you kind of are buying these quick cash close off market type stuff? Yeah. I mean, if it, if it is quick cash close, there's no reason that you can't from demand from the person that you're buying it from to get a loss report, right? A, a loss run loss report all insurance agents are going to know either of those terms. So I, I would put as part of your due diligence, even though your due diligence may be a day, this is one of the things I must have in order to close, right? If I can't have this, then I'm not buying your building. And a lot of and who do, who do they get that from? The the seller to get it from their insurance company, or do you? The seller would get it from their insurance agent, and okay. we can we pull those. I can I could get off this call and pull a report for you in ten seconds. So it's not a it's not a time consuming yeah. thing. Don't listen to the art. They're going to say, oh, they can't get it in time. No, that's not true. A lot of people say that um, they're readily available. If it's a kind of cash close, a lot of times the sellers don't want anything. They, it's an inheritance or divorce situation. They just want to be done. So yep. my guess is they're going to say, I don't want to provide that. I'm, you know, I'm providing a, a price discount in return for just as is. So is that something that an investor's insurance agent could be expected to do? Or is there an app or something out there to to help kind of run those? Or what do you recommend someone doing? Um, unfortunately, that information is privileged between the policy holder and the insurance company. So the, the request has to come from the policy holder, which would be the, in your case, the seller. So there's no, there's no way to back channel it to get, to get the loss report. Okay. Good, good to and, know. And sometimes it's just a risk that you have to take. If, you, yeah. if they're saying no, and you think it's a great deal, uh, you know, just, put that into your table and say, I understand that I'm taking a risk. I'm getting a great deal. It's yeah. worth the risk. That's sure. okay. It's kind of like the asbestos and mold. You can't get those tests yeah. done on the quick close. So you just, we just look at it as, is on average, you know, one out of every 12 deals will, will have significant asbestos and it's average $12,000 hit. So, you know, we average 
$4,000 that we're just going to average out for every deal. We have to include asbestos, even though it'll only be one in six or one in 10, whatever that number, you know, is. Yep. So definitely something, even after this call, I think we will include that in our kind of underwriting a pro forma to have some sort of potential insurance loss or effect. Cause I mean, we, that devalued our property 30, probably 30,000 because yeah. all the top people that were bidding in a bidding war, we had 46 showings, multiple offers and all the people over paying, um, they not overpaying it, but, um, bidding it up. They weren't interested when they couldn't get the insurance. I mean, it was double or triple what, what everyone anticipated. And that was just enough yep. to turn them off. So, but yeah. And, and one other thing I'd, I'd touch on while we're in this, while we're talking about uh, the fix and flip or single family rental space is there is a vacancy clause on insurance policies, meaning that if the if a if a unit or if a building is vacant for X amount of days, it's different between different insurance companies. Usually it's 30 to 60 days. Once it passes that, you lose a ton of coverage. So you need to make sure that if you are buying a fix and flip and it's going to take a while, you need to be very transparent with your insurance agent hey, this building is going to be vacant or it's going to be under construction without any tenants for an estimated X amount of days. With that information, your insurance agent will be, should be able to find you a policy that doesn't have that vacancy clause because it could cost you like on a half a million dollar house like you were just talking about. It could take uh, a claim settlement down by 30 or 40% because they'll, they'll remove uh, replacement cost coverage and they'll put actual cash value coverage in, which takes... Uh, physical depreciation into account. So write down vacancy clause uh, as it's a very important topic when uh, looking at buildings that are going to be vacant. That's great insight. When there's potential losing 30 to 40% on a, on a claim on a gotcha, that could, that could hurt pretty bad if a fire or uh, significant damage occurred. So happens all the time. Very, it's, it's probably the most common point of pain between investors and the insurance company is, Hey, I had a claim it's covered, right? It's a fire claim. It should have been covered. No question about it. Oh, did you look at, did you look at your conditions of your policy? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> and then it's, then it opens up a, a can of worms that the investor, it, it's a little time bomb that's sitting inside of an insurance policy that you want to make sure that you're not on the wrong side of. That's the goal is to mitigate all those, but man, is there a ton of, yeah those little things. And that's, again, one of the reasons we're doing this series is, is just to get the insight from experts like yourself. So before we, we uh, take a quick break and listen to a word from a sponsor, is, is there a couple other little kind of gotchas like that, that, that you've seen over the years that might be a unique little value add tip? A couple of exclusions that we see on policies that people aren't um, probably aren't paying attention to. One would be assault and battery. So this is on the liability side. If somebody comes onto your property and, and your tenant assaults them, they're going to obviously sue the person who assaulted them, but they're also going to sue the building for not creating a, a safe place for, uh, for this third party to go. A lot of policies nowadays are excluding assault and battery. Um, same thing for abuse and molestation. So if you go into, uh, you go into a tenant's, uh, unit and they, for some reason, right. For some good reason you go in and they're just getting out of the shower and you see them naked. They say you molested me by blah, blah, blah. Right. 
that can be excluded uh, very often as well. And policies, you want to make sure that that coverage is there because even even though you're probably going to win that claim, unless you're doing something nefarious, uh, there's going to be a lawsuit and this pol your insurance policy will pay to defend you. It'll pay your legal fees, um, which is hugely important. Uh, you know, the settlement may be, may be two grand, but the, the legal fees are 15,000, right? So um, I'm more concerned with the legal fees than I am with anything else. And then animals. So lots of policies exclude animals or um, some just exclude specific dog breeds. So that would be another area where you want to be paying attention to our animals, our, our pets, right? Tenants, pets covered under my policy. Is there any tip on allowing pets or not allowing pets? Any? <laughs> As so. an insurance agent, I would tell you never to allow pets into your property because you're going to, you're eventually going to get a dog bite. And even though it may be covered, it's going to be a, a nuisance for you. I understand that people have pets. So, uh, you know, in a vacuum, I would say don't allow pets, but I would say it's, it, it is a relatively nominal risk, assuming that you have the coverage. So if you think it's going to enable you to fill up your units quicker, uh, I don't have a huge, as, a, as an insurance agent, uh, of course, uh, it makes my life easier for you not to allow pets, but it doesn't move the needle much on my end, I guess is what I'd say. Great. Good feedback. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Final five. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. We're back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast with Mr. Drew McConaughey. I'm going to say it, it again. again. Yeah, I got it again. Nice it? job. Like, all right, all right, all right. Uh, we're going to jump right into the final five. I mean, we had some amazing. I have a, I have a whole little notepad here of, of notes. That I'll try to recap at the end. And I'd say this is one of the more full notepads uh, that I've had in a while. So um, I've really appreciated so far up to this episode. So we're going to jump right in. Um, Drew, what's, what's overall the most creative real estate deal that you've you've seen or been involved in. And I'm, that can be from kind of an insurance or just one of your investors, something they've, they've done um, that you've felt really added value to a real estate deal. Uh, that man, that's a good question. Uh, I've seen, I've seen some guys buy some buildings where I would never thought in a million years that they could, you know, a decent area, but man was the building trash. You know, it's, it, it they didn't, necessarily turn it into an a-class building but they they made it nice they realized that there was an opportunity it's a it was an area that was that was on the fringe actually it wasn't even on the fringe it was kind of in a bad area but they could they kind of you know saw into the future that the the town was pushing this way uh and they made a really neat building out of an old schoolhouse um that was that was very cool and then i've got a couple buddies who have uh but they're customers but they've become friends uh who have started uh, funds, which I've been very impressed, you know, SEC regulated funds. And they started uh, with the fix and flips, right? My, uh, the buddy who comes to mind started with fix and flips and, 
And now he's built that all the way up to the point where he is issuing SEC funds with accredited investors getting accredited dollars to invest in his plays. And now he's buying, you know, 500 units chunks at a time. So he, he, I'm, I'm super impressed with him and everything that he does. And uh, yeah, I, it just, it's inspirational for me, right. That you can start from, you're buying stuff with credit card debt. And now he's taking money from, from guys who he's richer than a lot of the guys who are investing with him that are accredited investors. That's great. I like to hear those stories for sure. And those little uh, schoolhouse to conversion to old warehouse conversion, those, yep. the ones that have a lot of hair on it are uh, a lot of people steer, steer away from those. But if you have that vision and yeah. capacity That's and, the right word, vision. and, yeah. and uh, hair, if you haven't lost it all on other uh, creative <laughs> deals and you got a little left to give elsewhere, then you can take it on. So, um, well, what, where do you kind of see the market in five years um, and kind of where do you see the insurance game in five years? Sure. So from a macro standpoint, insurance companies make money on interest rates. They are regulated heavily to invest in quote unquote safe assets, meaning the bond market is a heavy place where they invest. Bond market is steered by insurance rates. So as they continue, as insurance rates continue to stay low, the insurance companies aren't able to offset ugly years from a loss standpoint with money that they're making on the carry on, on carried premiums. I, I foresee that until interest rates go up, I don't see that happening in the near future, that the insurance marketplace as a whole is going to stay pretty tight. Now with our little subset, right? The, what, what we call the habitational market, uh, apartment buildings, single family rentals, fix and flips. I think that uh, what we've seen in the last year is 10 to 15% increases. Uh, I would say five, the, the, everything I read says 10. I don't see that, it, that that's the minimum, but we're seeing increasing rates. A lot of that in the last year was driven by weather. Last year was the worst year since 1980 of weather-related losses in the United States. There were $22 billion worth of weather-related losses versus a five-year running average of $16 billion. So it's a substantially worse year than normal. Uh, that's going to continue to depress the market, for lack of a better term, in the, I would say, in the midterm. Now, five years down the road, um, who knows? Technology will continue to get better. We'll continue to get better at underwriting. We'll probably ask more questions than ever. That's why I'm trying to impress upon your audience to get as much information about your building as you possibly can Continue and document it, right? I made, I spent 30 grand to fix the wiring in my building. Don't throw that away. That's valuable information to me. I can use that as leverage to leverage your premiums down because not everybody's doing that. So if you're doing things to improve your building, share that with your insurance agent early and often and impress upon them that you want, you want to see better rates because you're, you're improving your building. That's great. What's a way that, that you like to give back to the real estate community. That's, that's essentially let you grow to be where you guys are today. Yeah. I love any sort of um, engagement like this where I can just share knowledge. Right. I, I didn't know everything I know. I mean, two days ago, right. I, I'm learning things about insurance every day, even though I insure a ton of buildings across the country. So I love to learn and I love to share what I learn with as many people. I don't care if I get any business uh, out of this at all, right? I want to help your audience better manage their buildings 
frankly, so that the <laughs> that the whole insurance market as a whole uh, gets a little cheaper and makes so I don't get as much gray hair trying to negotiate each of these deals. Yeah, well, I know this is uh, audio, so you you can't tell uh, from from that, but. Drew has a full head of hair and that's always impressive <laughs> when you're dealing with people in the, the real estate and insurance game. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. He has good genes because most of the time yeah. the real estate's just sucked it right out of you. After, yeah, that's right. After Thank, thanks years. mom's dad. Yeah, exactly. So, um, well, yeah, let, let's kind of just wrap up with the best way that they can reach out because ultimately want to uh, be able to have a resource for people to connect up and hopefully do some business with you and ask some questions. So what's the best way that they can do so that we can put in the show notes? Yeah, absolutely. You can um, follow me on Facebook. It's, uh, it's just my name, Drew McConaughey. Uh, the business is McConaughey Stradley. Again, go to the show notes. My last name's got nine letters and they're all jumbled together in, in, a, <laughs> in, a, in a mixture. So I won't try and spell that out. Um, and then, it, yeah, if you find us through the website, uh, you'll be able to, to reach out to me. But uh, yeah, I, I certainly appreciate the time. I appreciate everything uh, that you do for the investors. Um, your show is, is very creative, right? Obviously, creative real estate, that's <laughs> kind of a conundrum, but uh, I, I think you do an awesome job and, and keep up the good work, Jason. Awesome. Well, I'm just going to recap just because I want to make sure that people understand and, and take away. So essentially that you want to make sure you look at prior claims when you're under contract, that's First and foremost, that that hurt me $30,000 or $40,000. So uh, guidance on the insurance inspection, that's very important to make sure you pass that and don't lose that coverage that you have already had bound. Um, make sure you have the right coverage that the risk tolerance of the building and uh, the lender is a good mix. So you can kind of meet both both for the building's needs, you as investor and, and the lenders. The other is having an expert electrician. Make sure they get out there. Uh, they look at all of the wiring, make sure everything's up to code and, and really understand that situation, especially if it's aluminum wiring that's in there. Uh, ordinance and law is an item to make sure that you are discussing with your insurance expert and um, vacancy clause as well as salt and battery molestation. And then also make sure those furry little pets are covered correctly to however you're handling uh, your leasing. So um, hopefully that's that's a good little recap. If you want anything more, reach out to Drew. And guys, uh, I really appreciate everyone listening. Drew, appreciate you being on here and excited to stay in touch in the, in the future to see what comes about with this insurance because I think it's going to be more important every year as, as we go on and the market tightens a little bit. Yeah, Jason, thank you for everything. Excellent. All right, everyone. As always... Until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box. <laughs>